Reverend Al Sharpton, didn't he yeah. say that Jesus yes. was a refugee and Fox News went after him? Fox News thought they'd, they'd correct the story. They correct the story and they totally flubbed it up. Like of course they did. That, uh, Those Jesus, biblical scholars. Jesus fled, <laughs> Jesus fled to Egypt to pay his taxes. Oh, I saw that. I thought, oh, what, what gospel are they reading, man? Welcome to episode 42 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint or maybe a fine wine. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, and now you can catch us even on the New Thought channel. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors, including Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is the home of premium craft brews, and their primary focus is amazing beer, education, and hospitality. And if you're wondering, well, how do I find them? Go to craftbeercellar.com and find a location near you. And if you're tuning into our conversation, you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by giving us some of your thoughts. Leave a comment on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. Or new for 2017, you can call in and leave a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. And our newest sponsor, Wink Wine Club. Wink, W-I-N-C, features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. How convenient. Get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off your first order and other savings. Um, Ogden and I are both doing this and uh, we, we both absolutely love it. In fact, my next shipment will be here on Friday. It's pretty awesome. Nice, nice. Well, check it out. Uh, Wink Wine Club, great to have them aboard. Well, tonight we'll explore the role of kindness in contentious times. Can we change the world with kindness or do we need more than that? And we'll discuss the current ban on refugees in the United States from certain nations and how people of faith should be responding to this. We'll also explore the statement that Jesus was a refugee. And if he was, what implications might that have? And if he wasn't, why are some people claiming that he was? Also, can coffee kill you? I hope not, because I'm not going to last much longer here, if that's the case. (laughs) And I'm excited because we are joined on the show tonight by David Hayward. You may know him as the Naked Pastor. David's art, cartoons, writing, and books have found their way all around the world. I am guessing that if you're listening to this show, you have seen and even shared several of his cartoons. Uh, And he's joining us from New Brunswick. Timely to have a Canadian on the show. So welcome back, David. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, what, what are you uh, having for a beverage tonight? I am drinking a Conciatoro. Uh, it's Casalero Diablo, which means Castle of the Devil. <laughs> nice. That's a, anyway, I thought that'd be appropriate for tonight. <laughs> yes, but, indeed. Uh, it's really nice. It's a dark, uh, kind of a uh, Zinfandel kind of wine. So it's very nice. Anyway. Excellent. So Excellent. my beer tonight is... Uh, 
red and flat. <laughs> red and flat. There you go. There you go. Well, my name is Brian Burkoff. I am the pastor of Holland UCC here in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book Pub Theology. And tonight I am drinking a Cielo Cerveza from Mexico. So thought I'd have some cerveza while I can still get that, you know, before the wall is built. Yeah. And I'm drinking it in my Dangerous Man pint club, so or pint glass. So you know, you can we're in trouble tonight. That. You can read into that if you like. Dangerous man. <laughs> yeah. And with us, as usual, Tina Simmons. Welcome, Tina. Hello. Um, tonight, I am drinking a Mary Hill Petite Syrah. It's a 2013. Mary Ooh. Hill is a local winery from the Yakima Valley. And it is, um, they have great wine and it is absolutely gorgeous up there. So if, if you come to visit Southern Washington, you have to go to Mary Hill. Mm. There's my pitch. There nice. it is. There nice. it is. Well done. So I'm outnumbered by the wine drinkers tonight. That's all right. That's Thanks, all David. Right. Never happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that part of the um, package that you're part of? That, that no, it's group? not. Oh, okay. No, that was, that was four bottles of wine. And that doesn't last me a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm that. not the only one in this house that drinks wine. I'm just saying. Yeah. Hey, fa fair enough. Fair enough. So we've got a lot to get to tonight. A lot happening in the world and a lot happening on issues of faith and religion. Uh, but our opening question is, if you were running for office, what would your campaign slogan be? Well, mine would be uh, uh, join Canada. <laughs> David, David, there exactly. was a, David, there was a joke going around about the West Coast, like the entire West Coast just becoming part of Canada and how easy it would be and we're more aligned with you. And I'm, yeah. I'm kind of wishing it wasn't a joke. <laughs> well, that, didn't I, I read something today that hasn't California threatened to, not secede. threatened, but uh, not, not just secede, that, that's another issue, but didn't they say that they are going to make themselves a, a sanctuary state? not just a sanctuary oh, city, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I could see California doing that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I think Washington and, Oregon, uh, Washington and Oregon are a little less vocal. They would just let people come here and not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I thought, yeah, um, join Canada. I, I have a lot of friends in the States who uh, um, are saying, is there any room up there? And man, we got tons of room. But I'm married to an American, and our kids are dual. And my wife is actually very seriously, um, even though she's been a landed immigrant here for, um, oh, gee, thir at least 30 years, uh, she's actually thinking of becoming a Canadian citizen now. Wow. So. I wouldn't blame her. Mm. I wouldn't blame her. So come to Canada. That's a winning slogan uh, these join, days. Yeah, uh, join uh, Canada. Join Canada. There we go. Join there we go. Yeah. I think you get a you? big following. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Tina? Any uh, slogan that? Yeah, well, um, you know me and how I love discussing the destruction of humanity. I think my slogan would be, if we don't start caring about the next seven generations, we're going to be the first species to cause our own extinction. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's my tree-hugging slogan. How do you like that? There, there it is. <laughs> there it is. It's... Uh, there's a lot there, a little longer than you could fit on a bumper sticker, but uh, I, I know hear you. I can't really pare that down. Here Help me out, David. You had a nice short one. How do you pare that down? Uh, um, 
Yeah. Vote for me. <laughs> what, it, what your point is, uh, there's very little time, right? So. Yeah, if you know, if we don't start thinking. Yeah, if we don't start thinking ahead. Me or Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Your choice. So my slogan, it would kind of depend who I'm running against. If I'm running against our uh, incumbent to, to be potentially, I think I would just simply be not that guy or <laughs> the person who's not a complete idiot. Uh, you know, just not that you have an opinion. Wait, was that not welcoming? Man, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> that that See, was surprising for you. There's two uh, kinds of slogans though, right? There's one that um, expresses your, you know, your vision or whatever, but then there's another slogan for winning. So yeah. make America yeah. great again. Uh, it help might might make you win, but is that exactly what is the vision, you know? And what exactly yeah. does that mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, my, my more vision uh, slogan would be uh, compassion, justice, equity. Mm -hmm. But would that get you elected, right? That's the problem. No, it sure wouldn't. It sure wouldn't. That sounds boring as, you know, mm -hmm. anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But join Canada. Yeah. Hey. Uh, yes. Yes. That Boom. That's a lot. I liked it. Yeah, it says a lot. Yeah. I love I mean, it. So you, have, you noted in the pre-show, David, that... Uh, the rumblings of what's happening in your uh, neighbor to the south is making waves uh, in your neck of the woods. So just any brief thoughts on what well, you're seeing in terms of how Canada's reacting in these times? Generally speaking, and from the, you know, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on, on down, and there's dismay about what's happening. And, um, you know, like Justin Trudeau put out, a tweet welcoming those who, you know, who are being persecuted and we accept anybody regardless of their faith or beliefs and welcome to Canada kind of thing. And, uh, that's a, that's a good people leader. are even offering, you know, there's, there's people raising funds to, um, help refugees, uh, come from the States to here and, uh, who, who don't want to return home. So, you know, there's, I think generally speaking, uh, Canada, well, yeah, I'd say Canada is, is generally much more open. Although, like I said before, there's, there are sentiments of nationalism and uh, protectionism. But I th major the majority at this point is, you know, open for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to hear, and it gives gives me hope. <laughs> yeah. And I have my passport ready, so, you know, just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I do too, and I just got it on a whim too. It's so weird. Really? Yeah. See, that's the thing. My wife has an American passport, and she'd like a Canadian one. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be probably be wise. Probably be wise. Viewed differently, <laughs> you'd yeah. be very different. Yeah. All right. So we have a quote from a Muslim, Talib Al Habib, who says, "Let your kindness be like the rain, that cares not upon whom it falls." Let your kindness be like the rain that cares not upon whom it falls. And when I read that, it reminded me of uh, Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, where he speaks of God, saying God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, so I kind of liked hearing that Muslim quote. sounded very similar to the words of Jesus. But wondering, uh, any, 
initial thoughts either on the quote itself or on this notion of kindness and the role of kindness in times like these mm -hmm. yeah well you know I was thinking about that um, because uh, most a lot of people I know just are kind and they just they just want to be kind to people and just help people and uh, many of the ones I know don't consider what their faith leanings are or the color of their skin or whatever as a uh, you know a, a prerequisite for them helping them it's just like I just want to help this person whether they're of a you know uh, a different faith or a different culture or a different race you know they just want to help they're just being kind and uh, the those issues of faith and race and all that don't seem to get in their way I, I mean I I think generally I think I'm like that I mean when I help a person I don't think well what color is he or what what's your faith or or things like that um, right it's just I just you're just being kind I think I think there's a lot of people like that, although I do maybe, you know, you hear of people who only want to help their own. Um, I had somebody commenting on one of my posts the other day, very like, we have enough people in our own country, was her point, who are in need and, you know, uh, and they're Christians and, you know, we should be helping them rather than other countries, you know, so. Um, but yeah, a, lot of people a, lot. I know yeah. Are, a lot of people I know aren't like that. Um, I, I kind of have a problem with that because there's always people in our country in need. So we should always be out helping them. And some people are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that doesn't mean you can't help others. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't get it either. And but were I, you, uh, were you hinting David that, um, I mean, I think most people think of themselves as kind generally, uh, and yet they may be having also that sentiment of you know, being in favor of current policies which are banning refugees, and they, right. and they, they somehow don't see that, that, that there's an unkindness or that, that there's an injustice in that, um, right. in that political leaning, and, and how do you engage someone to say it's not just nice enough to be nice or kind in your personal connections with people, but you have to think about the broader societal impacts certain policies will have. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm of the opinion that almost everybody is sincere in what they believe and what they're doing. I don't, I don't think there are very many outright evil people who intend to be, they want to be evil. I think right. most, most, most if not all people are sincere about their actions and their beliefs and their intentions and so on. And, um, but this, and, and, you know, we hear this a lot. Well, we got to hear both sides and you, know, we got to be fair and we got to find the truth in the middle. No, I don't agree with that. I, I think there is a, a just and an unjust position to take. And so, or a kind and an unkind position to take in this case. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, and I, and I find, I don't know about you guys, but I find it almost all the time fruitless to engage in, um, well, it turns always, almost always turns into an argument with people who 
have different views and everything these days. It almost always turns into, you know, a very, uh, very heated argument. And uh, I'm not sure we can be convinced, you know, to change our minds. So uh, it's very frustrating. But um, I, I still believe there is kind and unkind and just and unjust. Yeah. And right. uh, uh, love and, and hate. I still, you know, I don't yeah. want to go down that road where we start calling hate love and uh, <laughs> unkindness kindness, you know, as Orwell predicted. And as right. many, many people are believing is happening right now. You know, I, I think I think part of the problem is we are um, such a how can I say this? We're a, we're a fact driven or fact driven society. We're, you know, logical. That's, that's what we want to focus on. We ignore, we ignore feeling, you know, and, and it's so ridiculous because people are, are shooting their mouths off with facts and opinions based on feeling, but we're not allowed to talk about feeling because that's a girl thing and that's a weak thing. And, and I think if we all talked about why we felt the way we did, we would get much further than just throwing facts at each other when nobody's actually listening anyhow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's an emotional um, component, a s emotional that's also connected to just some subconscious things that ignite emotion, you're right. And so sometimes we're in that place where the facts don't seem to matter. And I think what David was hinting at, sometimes these conversations are so hard because uh, an alternative view is presented and our defenses go up and we think that's not my view, that's the wrong view. And it prevents us from having a, a constructive conversation. And I, so I think you're right, Tina, I think there are feelings and then I don't know what the solution there is, but I think there are some ways to, make headway, but it's difficult. Yeah. So like, um, I might think, uh, opening our borders and our, you know, our hearts, our homes, our arms, everything to refugees. I think that's something that we should do. Um, that any kind and decent person should do that and would do that. And some people think they need to take care of their own problems and, you know, uh, what's that saying about give a guy a fish, blah, 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 you know. He can that, eat for a day, <laughs> teach him how to fish, he can, yeah. Yeah, they need to learn how to fish, you know, and take care of themselves. And, and they right. think, they think, give them independence, leave them alone, let them work it out. But, you know, they're th they think they're being wise and um, everything where. Yeah, kind in the larger sense or something. That's yeah, so, so easy. That's so easy for people that come from blessed, abundant countries to say. Oh, I got so angry the other day. Uh, somebody posted on, uh, they were saying, oh, you're all getting all riled up about this. And tomorrow, you know, we're going to wake up in our nice warm beds and we're going to have a nice coffee. And then, you know, we're going to read the news and, and everything and have our wives there and have a, you know, have a just have a nice and things are life's just going to go on so why are you getting all riled up and all angry life's just going to go on and everything's going to be fine i'm like that is such oh. a privileged place mm -hmm. to speak from because for many people in the world that is not true <laughs> you know do you so. do you think people are just naturally born with a certain amount of empathy 
is do you think it's genetic and some people just lack empathy being able to put themselves in somebody else's shoes and actually feel what they would be feeling in that situation oh for sure yeah there's the there's you have on the one end of the spectrum empaths right who feel everything from everybody <laughs> and then on the other path on, on the other side uh what sociopaths maybe <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, um, where they don't em empathize with anybody or anything at all. So, yeah, I, I think that's almost a sociopathic thing to to be like, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and have my coffee, and my life's gonna go on, and I really don't care what else is going on in the world. Yeah. You know, I think we have to do it sometimes just to separate mm -hmm. ourselves to you know get to a place of peace because everything's so riled up right now. Yeah. I just i uh, i have a i have a a banner hanging in my studio here, and uh, it says uh, it's a Buddhist saying. Do you mind if I read it? It's Please fairly go. short. It says, "If there is light in the soul, there is beauty in the person. If there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. If there's harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And if there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world." I love it. And. Uh, I really do think that's that's true. Whereas the way um, a lot of people are operating now is that we need to we need to establish peace in the world, and we do that by invading countries and bombing people and capturing people and <laughs> sending in troops and um, you know trying to wrestle the world to the ground. And then I'm going to be then I'm then I'll be peaceful when every everybody else is dead you know mm -hmm. and um so it, it, we've got it backwards well then i posted that a couple weeks ago you you can't fight for peace you can fight for justice you cannot fight for peace you cannot fight for love that's what naturally happens when all the fighting stops mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i you know as uh Thich Nhat Hanh and other buddhist teachers have said right along the lines of your banner uh that peace is every step right so it's not only a goal it's the process by which we achieve the goal and so if i am not a centered peaceful person right off the bat then getting all bent out of shape to get things exactly how i want it i'm probably still not going to be peaceful at that point right um, and may have caused a lot of destruction along the way yeah mm -hmm. yeah but exactly. but the, i guess my challenge though is uh how do we Speaking of balance, how do we balance that sort of inner peace and being a kind, compassionate person in our sort of individual interactions with people, with um, things happening at large on a larger scale? So, for me as an American, seeing policies enacted, executive actions happening that I just disagree with, and I feel are unjust, and I feel I need to speak up, or I need to go to a protest, or I need to write a congressman. Um, donate to a refugee center, you know, something, right? Uh, is, is just being kind enough? Do we need more oh. than just kindness? Well, kindness can have, can kindness have all kinds of expressions? So, I mean, uh, let's say I'm friends with a refugee family from Syria. My kindness for them might involve blood, sweat, and tears, right? It might be standing up for their rights in a court or um you know demanding benefits from our government or you know uh 
trying to get them a decent deal on a house or, you know, all this kind of stuff. It doesn't mean, I don't think kindness necessarily means passivity or niceness or, yeah. or not, not yeah. unniceness, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like kindness isn't necessarily weakness, but right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard someone frame it this way um, in our local pub theology conversation this week where they said, individuals deserve my kindness but the state or the powers that be deserve to hear truth or to hear a prophetic word or to hear a call for justice uh, and that doesn't always seem like it's kind but it needs to be said what do you what do you think of that distinction between sort of person-to-person -person engagement and engaging sort of larger structures and uh, well absolutely one of my favorite American writers and theologians, he was a lay theologian, actually, uh, William Stringfellow. Um, yes. And his, my favorite book of his, I love all his stuff, but uh, my favorite book of his is An Ethic for Christians and Other Aliens Living in a Strange Land. <laughs> mm. Long title, but really, really good. So his basic point was that um, Paul's uh, The Principalities and Powers, uh, he, um, he applies that to he was a, being an American at the time, and, and, and when uh, the um, um, the priests, the um, who were those two priests? Uh, Daniel Berrigan. The Berrigan brothers yeah. uh, during the Vietnam protests and everything. And so his, his whole point was that the American, like government and economy and education and um, uh, military, all these things are principalities and powers that um, are intent, uh, they are to serve us as people. So what, what they end up doing is oppressing us as human beings and dehumanizing us. And we all know that from, you know, the bureaucratic red tape we face when we enter into these, you know, the belly of these beasts. Right. And so, uh, yeah. our job is to prophetically, um, call them back to what their true, creative purposes and that is to serve us rather than dehumanize us so yeah individuals and when the individuals sell out their souls to these systems that's yes. when the it becomes you know our our protest and everything or uh if we were a christian we'd say prophetic voice would challenge the system but also that 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 challenges the individuals who are the puppets of that system. So good, good, great. Love it. And I, and I think there's a lot of different ways in which we use that, um, use our gifts or use our, um, resources to have that prophetic word. And I think one gift you have is cartoons. So, uh, <laughs> is, there, is there something that you've written either since the election, uh, results here in the States, in November, or even since this past week and a half at the inauguration, that uh, that you feel like had something to say and was sort of a piece of subversiveness or um, prophetic voice. Are you asking me if I think that? I'm asking: Was there a cartoon that you drew oh, that yeah, you feel like served that role? Well, <clears throat> um, 
I I'm, I always raise an eyebrow when somebody calls himself Prophet David Hayward or whatever. Yeah. So I <laughs> I refuse to say I I'm a prophet or I have a prophetic voice or whatever. But I just try to I just try to um, illustrate what I think is going on. So I was really disappointed, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm going to be upfront and honest here. Uh, what little shred of um, brotherhood I felt with the uh, evangelical movement uh, has been completely lost. It's gone. And um, hmm. uh, I think they, and so one of my cartoons was showing the church put a crown on Trump's head and um, sort of crowning him as, as king. That was one of my cartoons. And wow. I've had other cartoons since uh, that, um, you know, I can't even remember some of them right now, but uh, where I, you know, I just, I, I really do question the church. The church is supposed to be, in my opinion, it's not, that's another cartoon too, where I, I have Jesus saying, never bless a government. <laughs> so uh, what I think the evangelical church in the United States has exactly done, and uh, it's ma basically made itself the servant of, um, of the government. And so to me, that's, that's, they, it's totally lost its biblical calling, um, mm. lost touch with it. And, uh, I was pleased to see the Pope speak out. So who'd have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, uh, posted a story from about a year ago during the uh, campaign when it was then uh, candidate, uh, Trump, and uh, the Pope had said, anyone who uh, is always building walls and not building bridges uh, is not a right. Christian. Right. And Trump responded by saying, how dare the Pope uh, question, question my faith. And, and how just, dare was, the Pope? Oh, my God. Just those words are so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare the Pope? <laughs> how dare the Pope? So I, um, I signed something recently uh, that a number of other... Um, clergy and other um, leaders from other religious traditions signed. It was a kind of an extended letter to, uh, to our president and to members of Congress, asking them to rethink uh, these recent actions on this uh, refugee ban and so forth. And someone replied with a quote, this was not their quote, they were quoting someone else, but the quote says, to all Christians who think the Bible requires us just to take anyone into our lands without adequate vetting, Please act on your ethics and invite a dozen homeless dudes right off the street into your homes to live with you for the foreseeable future and see how that goes. Then I'll listen to your moralizing. Otherwise, you are just talking, not walking. I saw that. that... So I, I wonder what either of you think about that. And does someone need to uh, perform that kind of an action before they can voice an opinion on, um, on national policy? I know. I, I think short I mean, answer no. Short answer no. Well, I think what they're saying is ridiculously blown out of proportion because they're saying like we're overcrowding America, which is not happening. I mean, you invite fifteen people in your house, you don't have room for fifteen people. You know, that's unrealistic to me. Invite one homeless person off the street into your house. I could see that. I totally get that. Um, but 
they're not asking to come into your house. They're asking to be treated like human beings. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see the correlation there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never uh, hung out with pandas, but I still want them to survive as a species. <laughs> right? I mean, like. It's true. But how can, how can you have any personal integrity if you don't have a panda in your own home, David? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, it just, it no, just didn't mean, make sense no, to me. It's it's uh, it's just a way of of um, um, silencing dissent. It's just another way of silencing dissent. I get I that all the time. I get that yes. all the time. Deflection. Keep your nose out of our business. Why do you even care? You're a Canadian. Like it's none of your business. <laughs> like, okay, does does Rwanda? Is that none of my business? Darfur? Is that none of my business? Um, you know. Uh, yep. Aboriginal rights in Australia, is that none of my business? Like uh, women's rights in Saudi Arabia, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a ridiculous argument that uh, you have to have intimate personal experience with the oppressed, certain oppressed group in order to speak about it. So uh, yeah. no, I just, no, absolutely not. And you, and you could make the uh, the opposite case that if you, let's say, you took in a dozen homeless dudes, uh, to quote the quote, but then you are in favor of national policies such as keeping refugees from certain countries finding asylum, you could be impacting thousands of people through that. And so maybe you're doing something to help a couple of people, but you're actually having a larger negative impact by being um, in favor of some of these larger policies. Uh, so I think even in terms of scale, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. Um, uh, shoot. Some, I have, I'm her terrible with names sometimes. Who, who runs uh, Sojourner magazine? Um, Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace. He, I, I'm not sure if uh, he's the originator of this story, but um, justice is, you know, there's two kinds of justice, right? Where you, you're pulling people out of the river and rescuing them, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's another kind of justice where you go up the river and find out who's throwing them in. Yes. And so, yeah. uh, you know, there, I've been involved in both ends. Um, I'm kind of interested in, I'd like to prevent people getting thrown in the river. I'm sort of up at that other end working, trying to address the big issues. Uh, yep. Of course, my wife and I were involved in our own little projects to try to help the people we're pulling out of the river right that's right but that's right th this is just temporary this is a band-aid you know i want to go up the river and find out why the hell all these people are getting thrown in the river <laughs> yes. and so it's like uh you know we're we're interested in refugees and we're interested in justice in other countries and women's rights and lgbt rights and etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and that's what i'm involved in because um if we can stop people from getting thrown in the river, then, you know, there's not all this need for rescue down yeah. the river, but. Yeah. I was just gonna say, as we currently stand though, we need people at both places exactly. working together. <laughs> both are important, so. Yeah, but you're right, the one should be, they should be working themselves out of a job as we go, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's the perfect analogy. Uh, and so thanks for bringing that up uh, because it's exactly right if, if we're just, only pulling people out of the river, man, we could keep doing that forever. And 
those efforts are just never, you know, it's never going to end. But I think the thing is that we feel something different when we help someone at that sort of personal level. Like we have a, yeah. uh, sometimes we feel like I've got a name and a story and a relationship and working at the broader systemic level sometimes feels less personal. Um, right. But it's absolutely vital and, and perhaps, well, I don't want to say more vital, but maybe, I mean, it's just, you got to have it. Well, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I also think it's personality and it's personal gifts. Like you use your gifts at whatever spot your your gifts are going to be best utilized, you know? Right. Yep. I don't think it's fair to minimize people who aren't, you know, going out in the streets at night and bringing in people into warm places and things. Like, I don't think it's fair. If you're not doing that, then you're not real. You're not walking the walk. Like, because there's people who are working their asses off uh, to change policy and working yeah. for the rights for individuals and, and for justice. So both are just as important. Um, I, you know, I like to be balanced. You know, I like to try to do both and, you know, actually give my money and give my effort and time to actual, you know, uh, compassion or outreach and so on. But, I also like to work at the other end where very, it's like a, a snail's crawl, you know, of progress, but uh, important work has to be done to like there's practice and there's policy. So we, we can't just work on our practice. We also have to change the, change the policy. I agree. I agree. What do you think of this um, argument that the government has different responsibilities than the church? There are two separate entities and so while we uh, in the church as Christians can be Christ-like and um, help people and, and donate to organizations, helping people, the government's role is simply to keep us safe. I don't know if you even I love how that. you can't like not laugh well, when you say that. <laughs> did, did you follow that? So it's sort of like the, no, go the government's role isn't to take care of people from other countries. It's to keep its own citizens safe. And the church is there to help the people who need it, I guess. Are these Christians talking? <laughs> I believe this was from a Christian, yes. Okay, so what Bible is he reading from? Because <laughs> he'd have to throw out the whole Old Testament in that case. Wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I and I hear this. Maybe not put that starkly, but I certainly hear this sentiment uh, from um, Christians in the area where I live that, yeah, the government's role is to keep us safe. And if they're doing that, that's why we elected them. And, um, you know, what's happening to other countries and people elsewhere, that's their problem. And are we that far removed from World War II to, to feel that way? Yeah. Or the own, you know, or the refugees that we've caused through our own uh, adventures it, overseas. Yes. So this yeah, we meddle won. in everything. And then, and then when things go bad, we're like, Oh no, not in our country. Keep that in your own. Right. Yeah, uh, I think the world's too small for us to say that we we take care of our own and that's it. So I saw that you have a shirt for sale, uh, which depicts Jesus as a refugee. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. I call it refugee Jesus, which I think is <laughs> genius. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't think of how you termed it. That's perfect. Refugee Jesus. Refugee Jesus. I love uh, that. Yeah. So. Um, Actually, it's probably my most, I've done a lot of uh, icon kind of drawings of Jesus and um, out of all of them, 
Well, I've, I have a few popular ones, but this one's really popular. And uh, I like it a lot too. It, I, I did that with the Syrian, you know, the Syrian crisis was coming to a head and um, hearing a lot of, you know, just the, isn't the basic Christian theology that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So isn't it basic Christian theology that Christ is in all things and therefore we can safely assume that, that the spirit of Christ is represented in all people. And, uh, well, yes. So I drew Jesus, I drew a refugee, um, but I wanted to show that, um, the spirit of Christ would identify with that refugee. So, yeah. And so if, if, you know, listeners, if you want that on a shirt, go to nakedpastor.com and nakedpastorstore.com. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. So. Nakedpastorstore.com and cue it up, man. Yeah. So Brian, you, I think you, you, your question was kind of leading to was Jesus an actual refugee? And, you know, I'm going to yeah. play the Ogan role here and say, does it matter? Like, the way David just described it, you know, Christ is in all of us, you know, that Christ spirit is supposed to be in all of us. And whether Jesus was a refugee or not, you have to think, would he have helped the refugees? That's what really matters. Yeah. Like, I don't think, um, I know there's some people who would like to believe or teach that Jesus might, may have been gay and, you know, had a special relationship with John and, and so on. And I don't think that's necessary. Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying the the thrust of the Jesus story is inclusiveness and acceptance. So um, that would include the refugee and um, LGBTQ plus people and um, et cetera. Yeah, I saw that about, uh, there's a whole debate about, uh, I think, Reverend Al Sharpton, didn't he yeah. say that Jesus yes. was a refugee and Fox News went after him? Fox News thought they'd, they'd correct the story. They correct the story and they totally flubbed it up. Like oh, they, of course they did. That, uh, Those Jesus, biblical scholars. Jesus fled, <laughs> Jesus fled to Egypt to pay his taxes. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I thought, what, what gospel are they reading, man? Yeah. Unbelievable. So I it doesn't think matter. Exactly People believed it. No well, doubt. Fox News, they, 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 uh, they tweeted or posted that it was a Muslim that killed these Muslims in Quebec. Oh my gosh. Oh and they refused to take down the tweet. It was just plain oh wrong. Man. He's a, a white nationalist, you know, um, a Trump fan, actually. So uh, I think they finally removed it, but uh, after like 24 or more hours. Yeah, the damage how is many done. how many thousands of retweets at that point, you know? Yeah, exactly. nobody's looking back to see if it got removed. Exactly. So that just became a fact. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. An Fox alternative Steve. one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Those uh those are not in short supply these days. We've got plenty of alternative <laughs> facts. Is there a Canadian version of Fox News? Um no. Um no. We're special, Brian. <laughs> yeah. We just we export all our wisdom, you know. Not that I know of. Uh, I, you know, I never used to be a TV watcher. But uh, when Trump was on the rise, I started watching television, um, watching what was happening. I was fascinated by it. And yeah. um, 
uh, you know, to the point where I was, I was really watching a lot of the news and then through the election and everything. And then when, when uh, the election occurred, I, I, I stopped watching the news altogether. Probably a healthy I was movement. so alarmed. I was just so yes. alarmed what had happened. And I'm not even an American, you know, so, <clears throat> but we get CNN and Fox and MSNBC and. Okay. So those come in like a standard cable package or whatever. Yep. Yeah. They're not, not all in one package, but you know how they get. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think you're right to note um, that we find Jesus in, in, um, in everyone, in all of creation. And I think even more particularly, more precisely in people who are outcast, people who are poor. And Jesus says very specifically, you know, whatever you do um, for or to the least of these, you do that for or to me. And so he identifies precisely with people who are hungry, who are sick, who are in prison. Uh, and I, by implication, the, the refugee. Um, so I think... Uh, on that scale, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then also, we do have the gospel story where his family is being under threat of violence and they flee to Egypt. Like, that's a mm -hmm. refugee story. Uh, yeah. Like, so. the, the, the interesting thing about the, for me, the most powerful aspect of that parable that Jesus tells of uh, the... The sheep and the goats. People, yeah, and the people showing up and they... They say, well, we, we healed people and we prophesied in your name and we, you know, did this and did that all in your name. All these religious things that they did and yes. um, he never knew them were <laughs> uh, the, the things that are not religious, giving a glass of water, visiting prisoners, clothes are totally not religious at all. Those are the ones that he knows. So for me, it, it actually means um, it, it's, it's not the religious stuff that actually counts. It's the, it's the action. It's just the being, it's just being human. It's just being a decent human being, you know, that, that matters. So, uh, that means it doesn't matter if they're the same citizenship of, as you or the same skin color or religion or sexual orientation or whatever. It's just being kind and, uh, giving water and giving clothes and visiting and, you know, and, and so on, just basic human decency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, um, you know, just, just don't be a jerk. Can you just be kind? That's pro that sounds like all there's the slogan. Are. There's the campaign yeah. slogan. Don't be a know? jerk. Don't, don't be, be a jerk. jerk. Just be kind. Yeah. You know, I like it. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you could get some really, yeah, that's a great one. You can get a lot of great oh, memes with that one. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if we if we want to transition to this last topic here. It kind of turns us on like a 90-degree angle. but uh, I don't know, Brian. I read it, and it's pretty darn cool. You want oh, it? Yeah. Should we hit it? Yes. A so speaking of Dick, uh, we have a story about Jane. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, actually, first we have to mention Tom. So there's, uh, there's a little story set up here. So there's a guy named Tom and he hates his wife and wants her dead. And he puts poison in her coffee and he kills her. Jane, similar situation. She's not related to Tom or his dead wife, but she also wants her husband uh, dead. 
And one day she notices her husband accidentally puts poison in his own coffee, thinking he's putting in his creamer. And Jane sees him do this, and she has the antidote that could save him, but she doesn't hand it over, and her husband dies. So is Jane's failure to act just as bad as Tom's action? Are we talking legally, biblically, or of the heart? <laughs> you, I, you, you fill in the blank. Well, yeah, one's David. going to jail and one isn't. <laughs> well, one's premeditative and the other's not. Well, no, they're both kind of premeditated. Well, yeah, if she weird. has the if she has poison in the house and an antidote for it, <laughs> there's some premeditating <laughs> happening. But it's not direct, right? One is indirect. Yeah. One is direct. Uh, one could be called negligence. I don't. I don't know. Would it be negligence at that? It point? would be ne negligence. It would be a misdemeanor. It would it? I think so. <laughs> I didn't realize it was poison. I thought it was coffee cream. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's right. There would be. That's true. A good legal team could uh, come to the oh, rescue. Oh, totally, yeah. Which is ridiculous. Let's not even get on that topic. But you mean morally, is it the same thing? I, I, I struggle with this because, like I said, the one, the, to, they're, they're both malicious, but the one is premeditative. Like, he put a lot of thought into that and um, making it happen. And I think there's a lot of anger behind that. Whereas with horror, <laughs> yeah, it's this pretty, is a tough one for me. It's, he, they're he both. He he directly does the deed, right? So he wants yeah. her to die. But she doesn't so Tom, save him. He puts it in there, and he knows she's going to drink that. I mean, he he kills her. Whereas yeah. Jane has the same thought and thinks, "I want to do this," but she never brings herself to do it. And then something happens where she doesn't have to do it. Okay, but that depends on her belief, too, because she could be like, hey, God wanted this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I d what brought, what brought uh, that on? Have you got plans or no? Let's just keep Hopefully this, not for a co-host. Just between the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one's listening. No, I, you know, once in a while we like to put an ethical dilemma on there and, and say, you know, how, how would you evaluate what's the best thing to do or the least bad thing to do? And um, this was mm -hmm. more fun, fun to read than it is to actually uh, spend a lot of time on. Well, I don't know because it's the whole because I when when you posted, I really thought you were relating it to helping other people, um, like you know the refugees and whatnot. So is, is yeah, bring it around. Actively around. is actively hurting somebody the same as sitting back and not helping them. Okay. Well, <clears throat> okay. So I've thought about murder a lot, <laughs> ah. but it's because. Uh, the thou shalt not murder, let's say, you know, in the um, Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews, the only way in those days you could get rid of a person and not have to deal with them every friggin' day is to kill them, right? Mm. Where now we don't have that. You like, just unfriend them. You just unfriend <laughs> them or you move or, you know, whatever. You yeah, just yeah. avoid each other. Whereas in those that you could not avoid and when you're a part of the same tribe, the only way you could get rid of that friggin' asshole was to kill them and bury them in the sand. 
And um, so I think that that whole thing is kind of, it's kind of like uh, in the New Testament where Paul talks about handing somebody over to Satan, kicking them out of the church for a while. Well, that would, be, would have been devastating in those days, but now you just walk down the street to another church. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. right. Whereas then it was like, that was your only tribe. That was the, that would really be uh, absolutely devastating. And it would force you that to sounds... think about what you did and, yeah. you know, try to seek restoration. Whereas now that's just not an issue. So um, basically mur murder is wanting somebody to be out of your life <laughs> and figuring okay, out a way to do it. That way. And, and figuring out a way to do it. So um I think that's Jesus when he taught about you know uh, adultery and or you know murder or whatever it begins in the heart. It's 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 the attitude of <clears throat> I don't want this person in my life anymore. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, he does say you know you've heard it said uh, do not murder, but I say to you, he who hates his brother, uh, etc. So that that is interesting to think about that setting and that what options did you have at that time to do the thing that now you can do at a less uh, criminal level, uh, a, less, <laughs> a less lethal level, uh, but you may be having that same intent. That is interesting to think about. Yeah, and I mean, if you take it back to the heart, um, it's why do you hate that person? What is it about them? And if you do the whole mirror thing, you have that same trait inside of you and you're just fighting against it. So it's, do you do the inner work? Or you just kill and bury him in the sand. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> hard choice. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all have relationships that are so difficult that the easier option is to avoid or not engage or to, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, what is the call to try to salvage that relationship to try to engage at a humane level and and what is and when do you say no for my own sanity i can't do it right now or maybe yeah, and it, because that's very personal to me brian what do you do when i mean say you have somebody like trump is that's in your personal life and they don't listen to anything you say and you're very opposite in your like what do you do like how do you come to terms with that how do you come from a loving space with that mm -hmm. i haven't figured it out <laughs> you build a wall and say <laughs> not allowed to cross this wall yeah it's interesting people i like in my family or friends or whoever um where you know they might be trump fans we just navigate around that we don't even talk about it so, um, and even if they bring it up, yeah. I won't go there. Well, uh, I was yes. going to say that that means you have, they, you have enough respect for each other that you, somebody stops that. Somebody stops that interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Because our being together is more important than, um, an ideology. Right. But what if you were with somebody that it wasn't more important? It was just more important for them. you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> They're not no, invited I, to Christmas anymore. Yeah, I've been doing some unfriendling like, lately because yeah. uh, I don't need that in my life. A lot of stress. The, a lot of you know. There's. I think there's a lot of uh, mental illness right now as a result of what's happened, and <clears throat> and stress and uh, unhealthiness and so on. So, in fact, I had a dream last night that indicated to me I need I need to pull back from watching the news 
so much and because uh, it's affecting me in negative ways. So mm -hmm. totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to unplug. I want to I want to still mm -hmm. be involved because I think these are crucial times. Like I think this is absolutely crucial times and we're going to read about this in the history books and I want to yes. be on the right side. I totally agree. Amen. Yeah. What are you guys doing for your own personal mental health during this time? Hmm. Do you uh, manage how much news you watch or are you, you know, yeah, I, I disengage a lot because I'm, I'm not really sure what is true and what is not. And I don't right. want to spend my time researching everything. Um, right. I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big, I, my big thing is, um, this is happening for a reason. It's dredging up a lot of really ugly things in our country. We need to be prepared to handle things afterwards. Um, my personal mission in life is I'm, I'm a heart person, you know, I'm here to bring un unconditional love to people. So whatever that means in my life and the people that are around me, I'm going to keep doing. Um, and, you know, what happens happens and I'm just going to be ready to, to help clean up the mess afterwards. Yeah, for me, I'm trying to also uh, trying to gauge how much uh, I can intake on, on news and current events. Certainly, as you said, trying to trying to be plugged in, trying to be aware, but also not reading every article that comes across my feed because yeah. I just a get outraged and b just don't have the time uh, to react to everything. And yeah, yeah. So you know, trying to trying to pick and choose the things that that are standing out and that are worth um, lifting up or engaging or or an action on, but then also just trying to do some things I enjoy, play with my kids. Uh, get outside you know it's winter here but uh yeah a good walk in the snow is good for the soul you know yeah mm -hmm. absolutely yeah what about you yeah same thing uh i'm pulling back on cnn and stuff i'm 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 following a few independent journalists on twitter yeah um i don't know if you guys have heard of sarah kenzior um no. check she's, her out. yeah you got to check her out she's been prophesying this stuff for a couple of years now okay uh, i don't mean spiritually prophesying she's oh, just understood she, she has a PhD. <laughs> she's a young woman but she has a phd in authoritarian states Ooh. and um and so she's really a really good analyst of what's happening so Sarah Dara, Ken david i'm sorry what was her last name again kenzior yeah i wrote down i wrote down your rick mercer report too because that sounded oh. funny He's the guy that would come down to the States and, and tell people about Canada and ask them their opinion. And it was totally you know, like made up stuff, you know, uh -huh. uh, but it's pretty funny anyway. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm getting more of the news on Twitter from independent journalists and a couple of people, uh, uh, um, journalists from CNN who I think have still kept their soul. Um, right. And, uh, but really trying to keep it down to, minimal amount of time yeah. and you know just meditating and and then lisa and i want yes. to <clears throat> we do want to get more involved civically uh with actual refugee families which canada's got a very open uh welcoming arms right. to so we want to actually get involved with actual families here and um who are coming to canada you know one of the biggest things that changed my my life was when I left the ministry in 2010, I taught 
English as a second language for two years at the local university here. And um, most of my students were Muslim from the Arabic countries. And uh, that changed. They're, they're just regular folk who love their husbands and wives and families and kids. And they yeah. have a wonderful sense of humor. And they're just, they're just normal people. Mm-hmm. And they just love life and want to laugh and eat good food and worship their God and, you know, be left They want alone. all the same things we want. Yeah, all the same things we want. Like it totally, mm-hmm. totally radically changed my perception of what's going on. So now when I, you know, people come on, oh, you don't know these Muslim blah, blah, blah. I said, have you, have you even had one Muslim friend in your life? Have you ever actually sat yes. down next to a Muslim? Exactly. And almost all the time it's no. And, uh, so, you know, that, and that's, that's what overcomes the cruelty in the world, right? It's that, that just little act of kindness where you get to know an actual Muslim person. No doubt. Preferably a woman. And you'll, you'll see that, you know, they're just, they're just lovely people. That's my experience. Excellent friends. Well, we are approaching our end here, our hour. I'm wondering if there's any, uh, Final word of wisdom from either of you, either a new slogan that's come to mind or a word on kindness. Uh, I want to hear what cartoon David's doing tomorrow. Oh, oh. you know what? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about it. I usually don't think about it until the morning because I'll end up thinking about it while I'm trying to sleep. So, oh. But yeah. uh, I, I do think like I, I am very much engaged in what's happening right now. And I think the church has a very important role right now. And I think it's, it's dropping the ball right now. Uh, generally, I know there are churches and there are Christian leaders and so on that are speaking out, but generally speaking, I think the church could be playing a far greater role in keeping with its biblical mandate. And I, you know, uh, so I'm going to probably keep addressing that. So, yeah, please do. Please do. Love it. Well, it's great to have you on the show again, David. Thank you for Thanks guys for inviting us. me. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. And so thank you friends for tuning in and listening to Pub Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and you can tune in anytime. You can hear us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Listen to us on your daily commute. And if you want to find a conversation like this happening in your town, go to pubtheology.com and check out the map, and maybe you'll find a gathering happening right near you. And thanks again to our sponsors, Craft Beer Cellar, who you'll find at craftbeercellar.com, and Wink Wine Club at trywink.com slash ptlive. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. I don't very get to much. talk like that uh, very often with uh, like-minded people, so it was we'll have to have you on. It. We'll have to have you on again. Anytime.